We're going to be back in Romans chapter 12. Uh, we've, of course, the last uh, few weeks, we've had our special Sundays and uh, kind of uh, not been in Romans chapter 12 every single week. But, uh, of course, our theme behind me on the banner uh, out of 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, and this is the victory, uh, even our faith. And we're looking at those words this year as we're uh, preaching through different things as far as victory, faith, and that word overcome. And uh, that's where we're at. We find ourselves in Romans chapter 12. Uh, So if you find your place, if you'll stand with me together, please. And I'm going to read, of course, verse 21, the last verse of the chapter. And uh, notice what the Scripture says here, Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And then our text this morning, let's go back up to verse uh, 9. And we're going to read verse 9, and uh, we're going to read down through verse 10. Notice what the Bible says here, Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. And again, look at the last verse in verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And God, I pray you'd meet with us today. Lord, we already sent your presence here, God. And uh, Lord, thank you for that. And I pray that you would move in our midst. Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you'd be uh, Lord, uh, here working, we pray that you would uh, uh, move amongst us, God. I pray if someone isn't saved today, they would accept you, Lord, before it's too late. Those of us that are saved, God, I pray that you would use the, the Word of God to help us and change us and make us what you'd have for us to be for you. We love you now. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Again, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And Romans chapter 12 is the practical steps on how to overcome evil. And uh, that's what we've been preaching through. We've been looking at the things in this chapter. And by the way, what's that word overcome mean? It means to prevail. It means to get the victory. Let me say this, church. Listen, it's important in the Christian life that we win. Amen? And I understand when this thing's said and done, we are going to win. But God wants us to experience victory along the way. He wants for us to be overcoming. Now listen, evil can overcome you if you're not careful, but we're not to be overcome of evil, we're to overcome evil with good. Now, it's okay to say that, that I want to do that, but here's the thing, we got to follow the practical steps. What is wisdom? Wisdom is applying Bible principles to our life. And listen folks, the Bible's a practical book, amen? And it's a book of instruction, it tells us exactly what we need to do, and in Romans chapter 12, we find the practical steps on how to overcome evil. We talked about, and I'll review just a little bit for a few moments. Uh, we talked about the first way is, first of all, is salvation, is to be saved. And that ought to go without saying, amen? You're never going to be on the victory side if you don't first uh, accept Christ as your Savior. That's the first step. So salvation. And then we also see, as we read down through verse 1 and 2, this process known as consecration. And that's where we set ourselves apart. Uh, we, we separate ourselves away from the world to God so that God then can begin to work in our lives. And then as a result, all of that we see uh, there in verse 2, transformation. God begins to change us from the inside out. Then we talked about this in uh, verses 3 uh, and verses 4 uh, is uh, that of biblical thinking patterns. And folks, listen, it, it, the, 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 the battle in the Christian life, I promise you this is true, it's in the mind. Amen? And that's why the Bible talks a lot about how we think and what we think about what we should not think about. And so we talked about the right type of biblical thinking patterns. And then we looked at verses 
verses uh, 4 and 5 and, and 6 and 7 and talked about this. Uh, last time we preached on this, we preached on this. Get busy serving. Amen? Get involved. Find something to do. Uh, let's involve ourselves in the work of the Lord. And by the way, when you stay busy for God, you know what you're going to find out? There's not as much busy, uh, idle time to stay busy with the things of the devil. Amen? So get busy serving. And that's what the local church does. It provides an area, an avenue of service for us in the Christian life. Well, listen folks, it's not over yet because we still have several verses to cover. And this is what we're going to look at the next several weeks, Lord willing. And here is this, and this is what we will start on uh, today, is this, developing Christian character. Developing Christian character. Again, look at verse 9. Notice what it says. It talks about love. It talks about abhorring evil, cleaving to that which is good. Verses 10, kindly affectionate, uh, preferring one another. Verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. Verse 12, rejoicing, patience, prayer. Uh, Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of the saints, hospitality. And you know what you see through as we go through the rest of this chapter? What is known as Christian character traits. Things that ought to be part of who we are as a Christian. Now let me just uh, define for you for a minute what character is. Now, I teach this to our young people in Sunday school class, but there's a difference between character and reputation. Both are important, but there's a difference. You see, reputation is what people think you are. And by the way, I think it's important to have a good reputation. I think as Christians that we ought to, and I, by the way, I like using this word, testimony. Amen? A testimony. Your testimony is your reputation. But truth be told, you know what? You can fool a person. You you might be able, people might think you have a good reputation, and maybe you do, but here's the thing. You, you can't fool God. Amen? So reputation is what people think you are. Character is what God knows you are. And by the way, you could have a good reputation and not have good character, but you can't have good character, amen? Or, or, or you can't not have a good reputation if you don't have good character. So well, that's what we're talking about here is this idea of Christian character traits. The things that as we are growing in the Christian life, God wants for us to have, amen? By the way, again, you've heard me say this before, the Christian life is not just about the destination, amen? If that were the case, the second you got saved, boom, God would take you to heaven. It's not just about that. It's about the journey. And God has put us on this journey called the Christian life so that we can fulfill His will for our life and that we can grow and that we can have things in our life so that, by the way, we're going to see this this morning. Why do we want these things in our life? So that we can reflect a good name on our Heavenly Father so we can our lives can point other people to Christ. So let's talk about this for a few minutes this morning, this idea of developing Christian character. How are you going to overcome evil? Evil, you're going to overcome evil by developing Christian character traits. So let's look at just a few of them this morning. We won't get through them all, but let me just highlight some of the ones that we find here in verse 9 and 10. Number one, look what he says first of all, let love be without dissimulation. Here's what this means. You ready? A genuine love for people. A genuine love for people. That word love there, of course, is the God love, the agape love. And I've taught you this before, but when you see that word love in the Bible, there's a couple different meanings to that, all right? Uh, The most uh, uh, common way that a lot of times people use the word love is what's known as a phileo love. It's a friendship love. It's a love that says this, I love you because you love me. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that kind of love, but that's not the ultimate form of love. 
You see, folks, the ultimate form of love is the kind of love that God has for us. Amen? And that's the love that says this, I love you whether you love me or not. By the way, that's a hard love to have. Amen? It's the agape love. And so when you see that word love in verse 9, it's talking about the God love, the agape love. Let love be, look at that next word, without dissimulation. That word dissimulation simply means this, without hypocrisy. All right? Well, what's hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is something that you think is real but is not. All right? By the way, how many of you knew this, that uh, the uh, the word hypocrite, uh, the definition of that simply means this, an actor. That's what it means. Somebody that's pretending to be something that they're not. So what God is saying here is this, let your love be without hypocrisy. Let it be genuine and real. Amen? Let it be genuine and real. There are over 180 times. You know what you find uh, given in the New Testament? Uh, Bible commands, words mentioned about our love for others. Let me give you just a couple of them. Amen. I won't give all 180, okay? Here's just a couple of them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love toward one another and toward all men as we do toward you. By the way, you know what that means? That means this. He first of all addresses our relationship with other Christians. Then he says this, toward all men. So that means this. There's not anybody that we shouldn't be showing this agape God love to. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So folks, listen. Hey, this is for every single Christian. Amen? I don't care whether you've been saved a week, a month, uh, uh, five years, ten years, fifty years. There's there's no Christian that this this command is not to. The fact that God wants for us to have a uh, a genuine love for other people. Now, let's talk about this love for a minute. First of all, here's what we find out about this love. This is the kind of love that God shows toward us. Amen? And I know we've already talked about it, but I don't think we can exhaust it uh, by any means. Notice what he says in John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. So you know what he says? Listen, I want you to love the way I love you. Amen? And by the way, aren't you thankful God loves us that way? Aren't you thankful for that? That this unconditional love? By the way, folks, come on now. Let's not get all high and pious about things. There ain't one of us that deserved that kind of love from God. Amen? By the way, God didn't love us because we were lovely. Like the Bible says, in that why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us in our fallen state. Amen? He doesn't just love saved people. He loves lost people. And we better be glad for that, folks, because, listen, there was a time when all of us were lost. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is, listen to this, rich in mercy. Aren't you glad He's rich in mercy? By the way, God's pretty rich. Amen? I mean, come on now. Think about what heaven is. God paves His streets with what we think is the most valuable substance on this planet, gold. And God says, I'm going to show you how valuable what you think is valuable is. To me, 
It's nothing more than some pavement that I'm paving my streets with. Amen? God's rich in a lot of areas, but hey, listen to me. I'm glad He's just not rich when it comes to the, the gold and, the, and, and, the, and, the, and the, uh, all the precious stones that heaven's made of. Amen? Hey, I'm thankful He's rich in mercy. Amen? He's rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. By the way, it's a great love. Amen? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Notice what he says here. And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, hath given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So this is the kind of love that God shows toward us. Not only that, how about this? This love is a byproduct of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I think it was a year and a half ago, I taught through in Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit. And no doubt if you've been around church very long, you've heard about that, the fruit of the Spirit. What does that mean? Is he talking about an apple? Is he talking about a pear? Is he talking about a grape? All right, notice I didn't say tomato. Amen, all right? Because it's not really a fruit. I don't care what science says. Amen? All right, no. He's not talking about those kind of fruits. He's talking about the things that our lives ought to produce because the Spirit of God's living in us. Amen? And you know what the number one thing on that list is? But the fruit of the Spirit, out of those nine fruits, the first one that's mentioned is this, love. Love. So truth be told is this, all right? Have you ever thought to yourself before, how can I love that person? How can I show love to them? They're not lovable. And by the way, let's be honest, that's true. There's a lot of people that God commands for us to love. Listen, that truth be told, there's not a lot of human appeal to loving them. There's not a lot of something you look at and think, man, I, I, I love that person. You know, it's, it's not natural, okay? But by the way, think about this for a minute. We're not commanded to love naturally, amen? By the way, you know why? As, as Christians, it's important that we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God because when the Holy Spirit of God is in you and has control of you, guess what He'll be doing? His love then will flow through you to others. And listen, being filled with the Spirit, this kind of love is a byproduct of that. And I know we're just talking about love this morning, but that ain't the only fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them, all right? That's why as a Christian, it's very important every single day you yield yourself to God so that God can then use you and, 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 and flow through you to reach out to other people as you live every single day of the Christian life. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in Him. Listen, folks, you'll never love people the way you ought to unless you have a close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about salvation, although that's where it begins, amen? I'm talking about a daily walk with Him where you, where you spend time with Him every day. Listen, folks, if it wasn't for my Bible and my prayer closet, you wouldn't want to meet me throughout the day. You know why? Because my flesh is mean. My flesh is selfish. My flesh is wicked. And i got to go to that prayer closet every morning and crucify that flesh so the Holy Spirit of God then can flow through me and love people the way I ought to love people and all those other fruits that God wants to uh, flow through me to reach out to others. Amen? Amen? You say, preacher, I can't love that way. You're right, you can't. But you know what? God can through you. Amen? God can through you because this type of love is a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And not only that, man, it's where we're going to get practical. This love is tangible. This love is tangible. Notice what the Bible says. Listen to this verse. This is a convicting verse. All right? Listen to it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. 
My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know what that means? Don't just yap your gums about how you love. Okay? It's more than what you say. And then the previous verses explain it. Listen to this. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. So ought we to lay down our lives for the brethren. You know what that's called? That's called tangible. That's called real. That's called not just saying something, but your life backing it up. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? So you know what this genuine love that we're to have for real people? By the way, this genuine character trait that will allow us to overcome evil, you know what it does? It doesn't just love in word and deed, it loves in action. Amen? It's not just about what you say, it's about what you do. It's about uh, the fact when God brings someone across your path and tests your love. Listen, are you willing to love in a very tangible way to other people? Listen, that's, what, that's the type of love that God wants for us to have. So we see, first of all, the first Christian character trait is a real, genuine love for people. Number two, look what else he says in verse 9. Look at this phrase, abhor that which is evil. Abhor that which is evil. By the way, you know what you have here? This is called the balance scale here. And by the way, everything in the Christian life is about balance. All right, everything. And, and every every thing that God has in His nature, uh, He wants for us to have it in, in, in our nature, and it's about balance. He talks, first of all, about love, and He talks about uh, abhorring that which is evil. Let me tell you what that means. It means this, to detest that which is evil. That's what that word abhor means. It means to utterly detest. Now, by the way, let me say this, folks. Understand this for a minute. There's a difference between the word sin and the word evil. There's a difference, okay? and It's found all throughout the Scripture. The word sin, I taught our class this this morning, Sunday school class. Young people tell me, what's the word sin mean? Miss the mark, okay? It's an archer's term, all right? It means you're aiming at something, you're trying to hit it, but guess what? You don't hit it. Kind of like the one that got away, the all stories we have hunters have, amen, you know? The one where I had the deer in my sights, but somehow the arrow didn't find the target. My sight must be up. No, we just missed the target, right? That's what the word sin means. It means to miss the mark. Let me tell you what the word evil means. It's something different than sin. Evil is something that is planned. Something that is connived. Something that is thought about. Something that is planned to do wrong to hurt somebody else. Let me show you an example of this. Take your Bible. Go to Proverbs chapter 1. In fact, if you're following your Bible reading schedule, you read it this morning. All right, Proverbs chapter 1. I want you to see this. Because I want you to understand the principle God is talking about here. And I'm going to go somewhere with this. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. A lot of times uh, people uh, misinterpret what God's trying to say through a verse like this. All right? Proverbs chapter 1. Now I want you to notice here the progression all right, of what we see in verses 10 through 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. Here's what the Bible says. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood, 
Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave, whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our house with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. All right, you see the progression here? We go from someone who is just a sinner to then someone who is planning harm, planning evil about somebody. And notice what it says in verse 15 through 16. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to, there's that word, you ready church? Evil and make haste to shed blood. There's a difference between sin and evil. Evil, again, is something you can see the progression here. They're planning harm. They're conniving about it. They're they're trying to get others to participate in this harm against somebody else. By the way, you know what? Truth be told, Christians can uh, can be involved in evil. Christians can be involved in it. Again, if you're following your Bible reading schedule, you're probably somewhere in the Kings. You just read through 2 Samuel, and you read about one of God's choicest servants as you read through 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. You read about a man named David. By the way, David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. But you know what? David participated in some evil in his life. In fact, here's what the Bible says, and I won't forsake a time read the whole story, but the context of this verse is when Nathan the prophet came and confronted David about his sin with Bathsheba that murdered her husband. And here's what, here's what God had to say about David, the man after his own heart. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, hast taken his wife to be thy wife, hast slain him with the sword of the children of Amnon. And by the way, you go back and read that story, David connived that plan. He came up with that plan. Remember how God tried to stop him because Uriah uh, would not do what David wanted him to do? And finally, he, he wrote that letter to Joab. Listen, there was a plan involved in that. And you know what God called that? Evil. Evil. And by the way, you know what you find all throughout the Scripture? God abhors evil. God abhors evil. He abhors it when when we plan to do wrong. By the way, when we use the mind He's gifted us with, that we ought to be using for Him, using our talents for good, using them to impact other people for right, and using that mind to do uh, damage and harm to somebody else. That's evil. By the way, God abhors it. Here's a, here's a, a phrase that I thought was interesting as I chased it to the Scripture this week. 32 times you find this phrase used in the Bible, the anger of the Lord. The anger of the Lord. By the way, it's not a sin to be angry, by the way. Okay, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. God was angry a lot in the Bible. In fact, you know what you find attached to that phrase, anger of the Lord? A lot of times it says this, the anger of the Lord was kindled. The anger of the Lord waxed hot. The fierce anger of the Lord. And so let me tell you something, folks. You know what gets God riled up? Evil gets God riled up. When people plan on doing things and they use the, the gifts and the talents God's given them to do wrong instead of good. Now folks, let me just say this. We must be very careful to abhor evil yet love people. And here's where we as human beings get it mixed up, okay? We look at people who are participating in evil and we turn our hatred of evil into a person. And let me say this folks, you know what? And that's where you've got to have the Spirit of God to help you. You must understand this, that God hates the sin, but He loves the sinner. Amen? And God hates evil, but yet He still 
loves the people that participate in it. Yes, will He bring judgment? You better believe it. Yes, will He discipline? You better believe it. But you know what? He loves those people. I think a great example of this is in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Remember when Jesus came to that well and that woman came to Him and she started, He started uh, uh, talking to her about the, the living water? And then she said, uh, and Jesus told her to go to the city and call uh, her husband. And she said, well, I have no husband. He says, you're right. You've, you've had five husbands. And the one you're living with now isn't your husband. By the way, you're not involved in that kind of immoral lifestyle unless there's some planning involved in it. Okay? This lady was living an evil lifestyle because of the choices she was making. But you know what? Jesus didn't sit there and call fire down from heaven and cast her down. He dealt with the sin, amen, but He showed mercy to the sinner. And He loved her and, by the way, saved her from that, amen? Saved her. Let me tell you what, don't miss this. Abhorring evil is more about keeping yourself right than worrying about other people. Let me say that again. That statement right there was worth the price of admission this morning. Amen? Alright, get what I just said. Abhorring evil is more about keeping yourself right than worrying about other people. Because when you abhor evil, you know what you're going to do? You're going to make sure it stays purged out of your own life. Alright, here's what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. Listen to this. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. By the way, you know what he's talking about? Talking about his own self, his own life. Amen? Proverbs chapter 5, verse 14. Listen to this. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. I was almost in all evil. I'm going to tell you something, folks. This idea of abhorring evil, it's not so you can look, look around at other people with a judgmental attitude, you know, turning your spiritual nose down on everybody else because of how they're living. No, it's to keep yourself right. Amen? And by the way, don't think for one second evil can't find you. Amen? All of us are capable of evil. By the way, there's not one sin in the Bible your flesh and my flesh isn't capable of. We better be careful about this haughty spirit. What's the Bible say? Let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. Again, why do you spend time with God every day? To keep yourself humble? To keep yourself right? So that we don't get all caught up in, in proud and arrogance and think that, well, I would never do that. Don't ever say that. Amen? And so you know what we need to be doing? We need to be abhorring evil. Amen? Because God abhors evil. So, number one Christian character trait is to a genuine love for people. Number two, abhor that which is evil. Number three, look what he says also at the end of verse 9. I love this phrase. Cleave to that which is good. Cleave to that which is good. That word cleave, that's an interesting word. It means to glue. It means to stick. It means to keep company with. Hey, we could say it this way. Be glued to the good. How about that? Be glued to the good. I remember one time when I was a kid. I, uh, I don't know if all kids did this, but I did this. I was uh, obsessed with chewing on things, okay? And I remember one time as a kid, I learned my lesson real quick because I decided I was going to chew on a tube of super glue, all right? Well, guess what happens when you chew on things, all right? You break them open, all right? I remember as a kid, I super glued my teeth together. All right, I remember, I remember a memory in my mind, all right? And uh, sitting on the kitchen counter, Mom, 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 what have you been chewing on? Oh, this. And literally, my mom had to, you know, get hot water in my mouth and, and, and pry my lips apart because I super glued my teeth together as a kid, all right? You know what that was called? That was called being pretty stupid, amen, all right? But no, my teeth 
were cleaving because they were glued. All right, they were glued. Now listen, as Christians, we need to be glued to the good. Amen? Cleave to that which is good. Now, there's a lot of things about this in the Scripture. And again, I don't have time to, to, to totally dissect this. But let me just say this. Being good as a Christian ought to be just part of our, our newborn nature. Amen? Here's what Jesus said about this. Again, so many passages I could take you to. Matthew chapter 5, alright? I don't think we sang it this morning, but we usually sing about this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Amen? And it comes from this passage right here. Jesus said this, Ye are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle but put it on a, but, uh, and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Alright? Hey, that's a good picture of what we're to be as Christians. Hey, that's not just some cute little Sunday school song. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. It's a Bible principle, amen? Now notice what Jesus says. Let your lights so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works. What is it that men ought to be looking at when they see us as Christians? Our good works. Why should we be have our good works on display? So we can walk around thinking we're something? We're impressing people? Is that why we're to do good works? No, here's what he says. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen? Let me tell you why as Christians we ought to cleave to the good, be glued to the good. So that we then can reflect praise back to our Heavenly Father. Amen? And when people see our good works and they realize, man, that there's something different about that person. Guess what? Opportunity, witnessing opportunity, so we can say, hey, let me tell you why, why I, why I live this way. Because I got a Father in heaven that loves me. And by the way, He doesn't just love me, He loves you too. Amen? I was able to, uh, um, uh, I did a job for someone this week and, and I was able to, uh, help them a little bit more than I normally do. It was a widow lady and, uh, she, uh, she, she, I could tell she needed a little help. So I was, I was helping her do some stuff and, and she was very thankful for it. And I made sure that at, at the end of, before I, I left her house, I went and got a gospel track and I said, listen to me. Let me tell you why, uh, I was able to help you and why I was able to do what I did for you because of the message right inside of you here because of Jesus Christ and who He is and what He's done for me. And by the way, He wants to do that for you too. Are you saved? Uh, oh yes, sir, I, I've, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. Listen to me, folks. Why is it we ought to go about be doing good? Not so that we can make people look at us, but so that we can reflect praise back to Him. Amen? Notice this verse, Romans chapter 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship. Listen to this. Man, this is powerful. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That means this, okay? Think about what, he, what, what, he, what he's saying here. That literally, every single one of us are a masterpiece of God. We are His workmanship. Now, those, uh, somebody that's a craftsman, okay? And uh, that they, when they do craftsman quality work, all right, they, listen, that speaks of, of, of the talent they have. It speaks of the fact that the hand of a craftsman just worked on something. They, are a, they, they created something that is a, a phenomenal piece. And so you know what literally saying here? Every single one of us are God's workmanship. God's hands were personally involved in us and in our lives. And the reason He made us how He made us, think about this, He created us in Christ Jesus unto good works. So first of all, He wants us to be saved. And once we are saved, He wants us then to be involved unto good works. Why? Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. 
Listen, this idea of a Christian life, that this thing's just about us, that's a wicked philosophy, amen? It's not just about us. God has saved us, saved us unto good works, so that we could then point others to Him. It was said of Jesus several times. Listen to this, what it says was said of Christ. Jesus answered, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these do you stone me? Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says this, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. So much to sow in John chapter 21, verse 25, it says this, says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Listen to me, folks. Jesus did so much good, there was no way to even write it all down. Now listen to me. Just as He did that, we're to be doing that. Amen? We are to cleave to the good. Now, if you, if you chase that through the Bible, there's, there's 25 different things the Bible says that are good that we ought to be involved in. All right, again, I'm not going to preach them all. I'm just going to read them to you, all right? If you chase it through the Scripture, here's what you find. Things that are attached to the word good that we ought to be involved in. We ought to be glued to, amen? Here they are. Good behavior, good cheer, comfort, conscience, conversation, days, deed, fidelity, fight, fruit, gifts, manners, measure, part, place, pleasure, report, seed, servant, soldier, steward, tidings, things, words, works. All those things, uh, the word good is before, and we as Christians ought to cleave into those things. By the way, it's hard work being a good Christian. I'm not going to lie to you, it's hard work. Why do you think you need to be in the Word, amen? So you can figure out what God expects from you, amen? So number one, how are we going to overcome evil with these Christian character traits? What are they? Genuine love for people. Number two, detest for that which is evil. Number three, cleaving to the good. Number four, look what he says in verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Let me tell you what this means. It means this. It means kind, kindred actions. Kind, kindred actions. Treat others as if they were family. Again, talking about our treatment of other people. Listen, folks, do you see here what God is talking about? Do you see how tangible these things are? These are things that He wants us to be actively participants in. Listen to this passage here. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. Listen to this. Luke chapter 6. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. You know what He's saying? Big deal. Everybody does it. You love people that love you back? Okay, I'm glad you do. But big deal, what thank have ye? Sinners even do that, right? And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. Listen, somebody pats your back, you're going to pat their back, right? Because that's just human nature, okay? That's not some exceptional love. That's what everybody does. Verse 34, And if you lend to them whom you hope to receive, what thank you have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. Alright, so that's just what everybody does. That's not kind of any kind of special kind of action. But look what he says in verse 35. But love, alright, here we go, you ready? But love ye your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. Listen to this verse. For he, talking about God, is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. You know God is kind to people, folks, that aren't even his children? By the way, did you hear what else it says? He's not just kind to those that aren't his children. He's kind to the unthankful and to the evil. You better believe he's kind to them, amen? 
By the way, I know a lot of wicked people that still get up in the morning and enjoy the day. I know a lot of people who don't love God. In fact, they don't just love God. They avow to be God's enemy. But they can still get up and their heart still beats and their, their lungs still pump and they still have health and, and a lot of cases have wealth and the things of this life. Hey, you know what that's called? God being kind to them. Not because they deserve it, but because He's kind. Because He loves people. So listen, here's the thing. If God can do it, what's our excuse? What's our excuse? Anybody ever hit you with the cat of nine tails? Drove a plate of thorns into your head? Nailed you to a cross? Anyone ever done that to you? If He could do that for people that did that to Him, we have no reason why we can't as Christians do that to others. Here's what the Bible says. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Charity, talking about the agape love. Charity suffereth long and is kind. And is kind. Ephesians 4, 32, the most famous verse in the Bible about kindness. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I get it, folks. We all have bad days from time to time. Okay? I had a bad day this week. I, I snapped at some people this week, and I had to apologize for it because I had a bad day. And you know what? I wasn't being kind the way I should have been kind. But you know what? I asked him to forgive me, and I got it right. And then you know what I decided decide I was going to do? I'm not going to be unkind to people. That doesn't mean I don't always not do it. Sometimes, we, listen, nobody bats a thousand, amen? Let me tell you what your goal ought to be, is to treat people with kindred kindness. The way you treat your own family, the kindness that you show to those that are closest to you, you ought to show to everybody. Amen? You ought to show to everybody. By the way, how are you going to make a difference in the world without that kind of actions in your life? Let me tell you what goes a long way with people, especially this crazy hurting world. You ready? Okay, we all can do it. It's this right here. You ready? That's not hard. Let's all practice. You ready? Okay. Now, you know, I wouldn't suggest if you're a man... You know, every lady you walk by, I wouldn't suggest doing that, okay? You got to be careful how you do it, all right? But listen, just smile. Listen, folks, everybody's hurting. We live in a hurt world, okay? Yesterday I was out and about, and you know, I saw a few people. I just gave, gave them a you know, simple smile. And whether, listen, I, I didn't really even pay attention whether they smiled back or not. But you know what? Listen to me. Most people don't do that. You know what most people are doing? Okay? Well, number one, they won't even hardly give you a holy grunt. Okay? Walk past you, you know, they just ignore that you're even there. Okay? Or, you know, I mean, just, just look at you like, you know, how dare you invade my space or whatever. I mean, come on, folks, listen. We're Christians. We're supposed to be different. Amen? How about just being personable with people? Right? Start building relationships with people uh, that, that you interact with and, and here in the community. Amen? Listen to me, folks. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about being Kindly affectionate, kind kindred actions. You talk about a way to overcome evil, amen? And then let me give you one more and we'll be done today. Look at the last part of verse 10. Notice what he says here. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. Last phrase, in honor preferring one another. Now if you look that up, here's what this means. The word honor means in the, in the highest degree. Preferring one another means this, leading the way for others. So here's what that means. Setting an unquestionable example. That's what it means. In honor, preferring one another. Setting an unquestionable example. You know, 16 times in the Gospels, Jesus said to his followers, follow me. 16 times Jesus said, listen, I'm going somewhere, follow me. By the way, Jesus Christ is worth following, is he not? Amen. He's worth following. 
By the way, he wasn't the only one that said to follow him. Paul, three times, said to, to those to be followers of him. You say, preacher, okay, it was Jesus, all right, I'm never going to be him, all right? Paul, greatest Christian in the Bible, okay, I could get people following Jesus, I could get people following Paul, but who am I that someone should follow me? Listen to this, all right? Nobody's getting off the hook this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, And ye became followers of us. Now, who's us? Us wasn't just Paul, it was all those people that were helping Paul. By the way, this is interesting. Paul had a team. Okay? If you study the life of the Apostle Paul, it wasn't just him. He had a team of men that went with him. And by the way, a team of Christians, places he went. I mean, the last book of chapter of Romans. Read it. Romans, I think it's 16. Read all those names in there. Of all those people that Paul was part of who he was. So guess what? It's not just Jesus. It's just not Paul. All right? There were others. So be followers of us. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, For ye, brethren, became, listen to this, followers of the churches of God. Okay, now we're starting to broaden out a little bit. Not just the apostle, not just those working with the apostle, but you ought to follow those that are in the church of God. And then, Hebrews 6, verse 12, That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Oh man, you know what he's talking about? Christians. You know what that means, Christians? You ought to be setting in your life an unquestionable example for people to follow. You people ought to look at you. Listen, I know we joke about this sometimes, but your life should not be an example of what not to do. That should not be what your life's an example of. Okay? Oh, well, I'm just an example of what not to do. No, you know what that's called? Being a lazy, carnal Christian. No excuse. Amen? Listen, be followers of me. I understand, folks, that the, none of us are, are perfect at this, okay? And I understand that ultimately, Jesus Christ is the example, okay? But listen, Jesus physically isn't here. But you know who is? We are. And so that's why He lives in us, and we're, people are to be, we're to be examples that folks can follow as we follow Christ. And so folks, listen to me. You know what that means? As Christians, we're to set an unquestionable example. Here, here's this saying. You've heard me say it before, all right? The tongue twister saying. Your talk talks and your walk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Let me say it again one more time. Your talk talks. That means this. Yap, yap, yap. We all do it. Amen? Your talk talks. You're saying something with your mouth. But guess what also talks? The way you live. Your walk talks. But your walk, the way you live is louder than what you come from your mouth. Amen? Amen. So let me just encourage you as a Christian, all right? You want to overcome evil? Then, with the help of God, set an unquestionable example in your life. Not of what not to be, but what we ought to be. Amen? So I hope I've challenged you this morning. I hope I've given you some spiritual truth that will help us this week overcome evil. All right? Five simple principles. Genuine love for people. Detest for that which is evil. Cleave to the good. Be glued to the good. Kind, kindred actions. Setting an unquestionable example. Let's pray.